church. Good morning. I mean, a good amen if you're happy amen. to be here in the house of the Lord today. Um, I was sitting there thinking about that story. I was like, man, I can't, I can't use that illustration anymore now. I never heard it before, but now I can't preach it because uh, that was just so good. And what a metaphor for uh, what we should come into the house of God for uh, with expectation, preparing for the blessings that he wants to give us. And I know it's hard sometimes because you don't feel like you deserve it, right? You feel like, uh, maybe I shouldn't ask God this week. Uh, maybe I'll ask it when I have a better week. But you know what? Um, we serve a God that loves us. And he wants more for us than we want for ourselves. And I'm just grateful that we serve God that loves us so much and always has open arms. I know it's hard to believe, but it's true. And I, it's true because I know I need it. Uh, that I'm not any better than anybody else. But it's just that God just keeps on snatching me back and pulling me back. And I love that rest, reckless love that we sung about. That's the kind of God we serve. And so uh, as we finish our series uh, today, for those of you for the first time, we're in a series uh, called Level Up. And if you missed any of those messages, you can go on our podcast, which is easy to find. Uh, you can find it on our webpage or uh, on YouTube, iTunes or whatever you use. And... Uh, you can catch up with the messages. All three of them are there. And today we're going to finish. And our Level Up series has been about prayer. And we've also been on the back end of this and in a 21 days of prayer and fasting. Or not fasting, but 21 days of prayer. Uh, and today's our last day of those 21 days of prayer. And I hope that God has been answering you. Uh, we've been praying for this church. We've been praying for what we're doing. And uh, we experienced a delay and a lot of the projects that we were wanting to finish. But God knew. God knew what we needed. He said, look, you, you're delaying. We're delaying the work. But this is the real work that needs to go forward. I want you to invest this time in prayer and getting together and building up the hearts and the minds of the people. So this prayer on Level Up has been about It's a series. It's been about prayer. I can't wait to finish it today. Uh, and I want to start by reading our we're going to focus on this chapter, this passage today in Hebrews chapter 4. Hebrews chapter 4, written by most scholars who believe Paul. This is one of those, those theological, this is calculus right here. This is good, good deep theology in the book of Hebrews. But this, this verse is really, uh, maybe you've heard it before, and it's just powerful. Here's what it says. It's kind of where we want to focus today. It says, so then, since we have a great high priest who has entered heaven, Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold firmly to what we believe. This high priest of ours, somebody say ours, this is your high priest, not just somebody else's, yours, it's ours, understands our weaknesses. Isn't that a sign of relief? He understands our weaknesses, for he faced all the same testings that we do. Jesus faced all the same testings that we do. Yet, here's the difference. Yet, he did not sin. So, because we serve a God like this, the Bible says, let us come boldly to the throne of our gracious God. There we will receive his mercy and we will find grace to help us when we need it most. Can I just read that last part? Just verse 16. As we wrap up this level of series. So let us come boldly. Right? Boldly. To the throne. 
to our gracious God. There, when we come home, we will receive his mercy and we will find grace to help us when we need it most. I want to preach a message today entitled, Be a Brat. Be a brat. Y'all know what a brat is? Anybody have some brats in your household? Anybody know they're just a grown-up brat? <laughs> today I'm giving you permission. I'm phrasing it today. And I want you to be a brat. Okay. We'll talk about it today. Lord, we just thank you for what you're going to teach us, for how you want to feed and nourish our starving souls. May we find nourishment and bread and life today in the words that you've given us. Love you in Jesus' name. We pray. Amen. Amen. So I want you to be a brat. And the reason I want you to be a brat is I want to talk about this word privilege. Privilege. Because a lot of brats that we know are brats because they're privileged. Little snotty nose brats. <laughs> Brats that don't have to wipe their nose, somebody else will wipe it for them. <laughs> Little brats that don't have to pay their bills, somebody else will pay. Don't have to eat their food, because they don't have to eat their food. They can waste it. They can throw it away. They can say, I don't want this. Or they can say, I want this, and you'll get it because they are privileged. Privilege, it's painful, has a sting to it, doesn't it? Mm -hmm. You think about who is privileged and who is not. Who gets to do what they want to do because they have privilege. Say what they want to say with no consequence. Go where they want to go. Tweet what they want to tweet. Say whatever they want because they're Privilege. They're in a position to do what they want. Now, let's just go old school preaching here for a moment because most pastors, when they throw out a word like that, they like to give a definition. So let's see what the Bible says. Or not what the Bible says, but what Webster says. It's pretty close to the Bible, but Webster. <laughs> the dictionary. Privilege. A special right. Advantage. Or immunity granted, or available only to a particular person or group of people. Education is a right, not a privilege. This is these are phrases that they're putting. He has been accustomed all his life to wealth and privilege. Does that start to make you mad? <laughs> Come on, be honest. Is that irritating you? That people have privilege, do what they want, special right, advantages. That group of people always gets what they want. Can kind of make you mad if you're on the other side of it. If you feel that you've been in the room and somebody else has had privilege over you. Someone else has had what they want. But I'm going to announce to you today that all of you 
are snotty nose, whiny little brats that get whatever you want because you are children of God. I'm here to tell you that you're privileged. I'm here to tell you that you can get your way. That you have access to things that other people don't have access to. That you have certain immunities. That means you're not held responsible for certain crimes that you commit because of who you are and who you know. That you don't have certain explanations that you don't have to give because of who you belong to. That you have an advantage. That you are special because you belong to God. I like to say it this way. Favor ain't fair. Mm -hmm. Don't be mad at me because I'm fair. <laughs> Don't be mad at me because I'm special. And I want the people of God in this room and those listening to understand today that you are privileged. You have access to things that other people don't have access to. I should say it this way. They have access to it. They just don't know they have access to it. Mm. And you have access to it. And maybe you don't act like you know you have access to it. And one of those privileges, one of those things that makes you special is because you and I have the ability to approach the boss, mm -hmm. to approach the king, to approach the one in charge, to bust in the boardroom and say, Dad, I need to talk to you right now. But I've got important business I'm doing right now, son. Dad, I need to talk to you right now. You have the privilege and access through prayer. Can I say it this way? Prayer is a privilege. It's a privilege. Here's why. Because you don't deserve to pray. Because we don't deserve access to God. Because we are not eligible to talk to God directly. You know why? Because we're sinful beings. And we're full of sin. And our agendas are always bad. Our inclinations are always wrong. Our ideas are always flawed. Our desires are always misguided. Everything that we do within our own strength is wrong, it's sinful, and it's bad. But here's the good news that we just read. That we have a high priest right. mm -hmm, who is in heaven, Jesus, the son of God, who is working on our behalf, right? He understands those weaknesses. He understands the problems that we face, yet he did not sin. So the Bible says, because of Jesus, you have permission to be a spoiled brat. <laughs> it's not because of us. It's if we believe. In Jesus, it gives us access boldly to the throne of grace. That means we can boldly bust into the throne room of heaven and say, God, I need to talk to you. Right. Now, brats are brats. Brats are difficult. And let's be honest, we're difficult. Right. Be very glad that I'm not God. Mm -hmm. 
because y'all would be in a hot mess. Just, I'm glad you're not God, because we would all be in a mess, because there's only a certain threshold that we can all take, right? There's only so much whining and complaining and making up stories and going back and forth that we do with God all the time, right? Well, God, I'll do this, and I'll do that, and bless me with this, and bless me with that, and God is so patient and so kind. But prayer is a privilege that we have because of the sacrifice and the love of Jesus. Just like any brat, somebody has to pay for it. And the Bible tells us that Jesus' blood pays for our access to the throne. If we believe in Jesus, we believe that we have someone and somebody who intercedes for us and gives us access to the throne. So I want to I explain this today about what it means to be a brat. What I want you to take home today is I want you to be bold. I want you to ask for stuff that you don't deserve. I want you to be bold with God. I want you to ask him to do stuff for you that you don't want to ask him for. Now, I will warn you about that. I will warn you because sometimes God's answer to prayer, the Bible says he's good so he can do nothing else but good for us. But I will tell you that sometimes the prayers that God answers are bad for us. Can I just help you with that? You might say, Lord, send me the man of my dreams. That might be good. That's a good prayer. But that's going to cost you. Lord, I want to be a millionaire. Oh, really? Well, there are some steps involved, and there are some sacrifices that millionaires make, right? So there does come responsibility, and there comes some, some things that we need to do, and sometimes God answers a prayer, mm -hmm. like, I want, we want this church to reach the community. Mm -hmm. Well, that's going to come with a price. Right. There's going to be some stretching. Right. There's going to be some programs you can't watch, Terrence. There's going to be some things you're going to have to sacrifice in order for me to trust you and bless you with that. And the benefit is that we have prayer as a privilege to talk to God. Can I unpack this a little bit for you today? So you can just go home today feeling bold. I want you to go home and be a brat. I want you to go home and I want you to walk around like a spoiled brat. I want you to walk around like my daddy's going to buy this for me. <laughs> nope, I don't got to take that because my daddy said he's going to hook me up. No, this isn't as bad as it is because I'm going to call my dad and he's going to... Anybody want to have some faith like that? And just call on God and say, no, my dad is going to answer this question for me. And so I want to share a few things. I want to share actually a story uh, in scripture uh, about a man named David. And David, the Bible would describe as, as a man after God's own heart. Like he... And there's a couple different interpretations of that. One interpretation is that he's chasing God's heart. That he's actually pursuing it. Another interpretation is that his heart was almost patterned and fashioned after God. That there was something close about David that represented who God was. And if we know anything about the Bible, the story of David, David has some issues. Mm -hmm. right? David had some problems that were really bad. But his heart for God was that he constantly constantly kept on pursuing him. So we're going to look at the story of David and how he responded to when God told him no. And he still acted like a brat. 
Bible says in 1 Chronicles 29, chapter 1 through, or verse 1 through 9. Let me set this up for you. So David's at the end of his kingship, and what David wants to do for God is build him a church. He's like, the church, there's no church for God. There's no place for God to be. There's no place for God to, to rest. And so his desire was that he would create a building and a temple for him. But God told him, David, you can't do it. Why would he tell him that? Well, unfortunately, David had made some pretty bad mistakes. And it wasn't that God was punishing him. It was just that, David, you don't know this, but I'm going to put your whole life story in the Bible. Like, David didn't know he was going to be in Scripture. Like, you'll get to heaven, and David's going to be surprised. Like, you're going to walk up to him like, hey, man, I'm glad you worked that thing out with Bathsheba. He's like, how'd you know about that? <laughs> I was, it was in the Bible, man. Was, what? That was in the Bible? You know all of David's business. But God was like, David... I, you can't end this story like this. Like, you can't end on top. I'm not going to let you build. In other words, Jesus, God said, basically, David, you got too much blood on your hands to build my temple. This is what I am going to do. I am going to allow your son to build the temple for me. I'm going to allow your son to do it. So David had heard God tell him no a couple of times. A couple of different times when David had made a mistake, he'd ask God for something and God told him no. One in particular was that when he was in that situation with Bathsheba and they and she was pregnant, that God told him, your son is not going to survive. The son that you're pregnant with is not going to survive. And God and David prayed about it and asked and asked and pleaded with God and God did not answer his prayer. The Bible says when he found out that the child was dead, you know what David did? He got up, he washed his face, and he went to church. He responded in a, a posture of grace and gratitude towards God. But in this situation, David had learned that sometimes when God is saying no, he's really saying yes. And so he says, I can't build the temple, but what I'm going to do is I'm going to set everything up. And so like the book of Psalms are like volumes of songs that David wrote in preparation for that day that he would never see. He wrote order stuff, he put stuff in order, and one of the things he did was he made sure that the resources were there for his son to be successful. So let's go there to First uh, Chronicles 29. This is what the Bible says here. So then David turned to the entire assembly and said, My son Solomon whom God has clearly chosen as the next king of Israel is still young and inexperienced. I love the acknowledgement, right? I love, I love the acceptance that, that he's saying, God didn't choose me, God chose him. There's a maturity there. There's a level up there in David. David says, I'm not entitled to this because I'm king. I understand. It's God's decision, and now my son's in position. So here's what he says. The work ahead of him is enormous. For the temple he will build is not for mere mortals. It is for the Lord God himself. Using every resource at my command. Listen to what the king is saying. I have gathered as much as I could for the building of the temple of my God. He says, I've, I've called the treasury and I said, give me everything you got. Now there's enough gold Bronze, silver, bronze, iron, wood, as well as a great quantities of ox 
onyx and other precious stone, costly jewels, and all kinds of fine stones and marble. David's like, I got it all set up. And now, this is what he says here. Because of my devotion to the temple of my God, I am giving all of my own private treasures. Mm -hmm. David is, is going above and beyond here. Of gold and silver to help the construction. This is an addition to the building materials I have already collected for his holy temple. He's making it short. This is more. I'm donating more than 112 tons of gold. 120 tons of silver. Just keep going. Um, for the other gold and the silver work to be done by the craftsmen. Now then, who will follow my example and give offerings to the Lord today? So David says, I, I'm putting out my, my treasury, my savings. He said, how many of you want to get involved in this? But here's, now some people are like, oh, David, that's not really my ministry, right? <laughs> like, don't y'all have enough gold? That sounds like a lot. David, sounds like we've got more than enough. Right, David? <laughs> I think we're good right here. We're going to celebrate when it's done. I don't think I really need to get involved financially. But look what the people said. Then the family leaders, right? The leaders of the tribes of Israel, the generals, the captains, the army, the king's administrative officers gave willingly. They started responding. The Bible goes through how much they gave. And then down in verse 9, it, as the leaders have given, the Bible says the people rejoiced over the offerings. Because you imagine the people looking back and watching David give, watch the leaders give, and then they respond with offerings. For they had, give, for they had given freely and wholeheartedly to the Lord, and David was filled with joy. Let me just show you this brat behavior that David is showing. Because God told David, no, can't build the temple. And David's doing this thing here. Like, you know, kids, you see kids that are fighting, like, don't touch me, don't touch me, don't touch me. And they're like, got their finger like right next to you, like, I'm not touching you. I'm not touching you. My hands are just right by you. I'm not touching you. That's what David's doing. God's like, no, David, you can't build the temple. He's like, okay, I ain't going to build it. I'm just going to write all the songs. I'm just going to order all the services. I'm just going to raise all the money. Talk to my son about it. But I ain't going to build it. I'm just saying, here's the money. Here's the gold we might possibly need for this construction plan. I just, It's just an idea that I have. You know, I was thinking we might have gold on the gate. So if you ever thought about this idea, you might need this much gold for it. And I've already raised it. I'm just putting up a proposition that just you might want to consider in the future. <laughs> this is powerful because this is the attitude of and the perspective and the practice of prayer that I want you to apply today. Because the privilege of prayer and the access to God means... That we have access to him, not to, to get our will accomplished, but to ask God, how can I accomplish your will? It's prayers that like, Lord, how do I keep from killing these kids, right? And whooping these kids right now? To how do I get these kids to college without them paying for it? How do I get myself in a position 
when I can own my home in 10 years? Because I want to bless the church. I see the vision. Or I see what God's people need. Or there's, there's something in Haiti or there's a project somewhere that I want to give to. So, Lord, how can we work this out so that I can give and give freely? I want to give you a, a, just a few. I want to show you a few passages uh, from this book that if you've gone through Growth Track, you've gotten this gift. And it's one of my favorite books written by one of the founders uh, early members and founders of the Seventh-day Adventist Church, and I love her books, and one of my favorite books all time is Steps to Christ. It's my all-time favorite, and she has a, a chapter in that book called The Privilege of Prayer. I want to read something from that to you. Here's what she says, one of the uh, first parts of this chapter. She says, prayer, it's on the screen, is the opening of the heart to God as a friend. Ever had a friend you can open your heart to? I love that because friends, you know, friends are going to tell you the truth. If it's a real friend and your breath is kicking, right? They're not going to sit there and just, right? They're like, hey, man, go brush your teeth. Or, Here, drink a gallon of Listerine or whatever. Here's some gum. Like a real friend is going to be honest with you. A real friend has your best interest in mind. And so she's saying, like, prayers like that, opening up my heart. To God as a friend. Listen to what she writes. Not that it is necessary in order to make known what we are, but in order to enable us to receive him. Prayer does not bring God down to us, but brings us up to him. That's a spoiled brat right there. That says, I don't deserve his presence. I really don't deserve his favor right now. But because he's my dad, I'm going to bust in the door anyway. I'm going to tell him what I'm doing and how I feel anyway. I'm not going to cower away from him. I'm not. See, when you open your heart, you know what you're doing? You're being honest about it. Can I just tell you there were times when I would struggle, when I was, when I was in my alcohol years and I was struggling with that. There were times when I had to be completely honest with God. And that's when I began to get freedom. When I would say, God, I'm choosing this alcohol over you. And I'm choosing it, and I don't know why I'm choosing it. I know that alcoholism runs in my family, but I'm just being honest with you. And I'm just telling you that I am choosing this over you. And a few minutes later, you know how stupid I felt? <laughs> I was like, I just told God... I chose him. But see, that's the thing. When you're honest about it, and you're that's where the freedom comes from. Right. When you can open your heart to God and say, God, let's just be honest about where we are. Let's just, just be real. I'm not going to pretend. I'm not going to fake it. I'm just going to be completely 100% honest with you. Here's my issue. Here's my heart. I'm not going to be disrespectful to you. I'm just going to be honest with you. And God honors that. He honors that openness. And so I love it because when, when she says that prayer doesn't bring him down to us, it brings him up to him. It brings us out of where we are. And sometimes you can be in a situation that is so terrible and you're like, God, I need you to come into the situation. But sometimes he's saying, I need you to come out of the situation. And when he calls you up in prayer, you begin to see things from a different perspective. You know, sometimes when you fly, there are certain monuments or certain things that look a lot smaller when you're in the air. 
When your elevation is increased, you see things in a smaller perspective. And that's what prayer is. God says, let me lift you from the way you're seeing it. Let me lift you above this environment and the situation, and let me give you a perspective that I have. I love what she writes. Let me, let me go down to um, the end of, let's go to the next one, where it says, um, let me just get to the one that says the darkness of evil. Look at this, this, this passage. This is what she says here. The darkness of evil, of the evil one, encloses those who neglect to pray. This is talking to people who know how to pray. This is talking about people who don't know what prayer is. This is talking to people who know what prayer is, who know how to pray. The darkness of the evil one encloses those who neglect to pray. Listen to this. The whispered temptations of the enemy entice them to sin. And it's all because they do not make use of the what? Privileges that God has given them in the divine appointment of prayer. Why should the sons and daughters of God be reluctant to pray when prayer is the key in the hand of faith to unlock heaven's storehouses? Where are the treasures that are boundless resources of omnipotence? Let me go down to one last uh, thing here. This is down um, in the last, I want to use this last one. We, we need to pray. It's that one. We need to praise God more for his goodness and for his wonderful works to the children of men. Our devotional exercises, that just means how we practice our time and relationship with God, should not consist wholly in asking and receiving. We do not pray, sorry, what was that? Let us not always be thinking of our wants and never of the benefits we receive. We do not pray any too much. This is old language, so it's a little weird. But, but we are too sparing and giving thanks. We are consistent recipients of God's mercies, and yet, no, I'm sorry, and yet, how little gratitude we express, how little we praise Him for what He has done for us. In other words, prayer is not just about receiving. Prayer is not just, "Can you do this for me?" Can you do this for me? It's an opportunity to reflect and say, you know what, let me think about what God has already done. And maybe this situation will make more sense to me. So I want to close. I want to go back to Chronicles 2, verses 29. And I want to give you three things to take home. This is, I'll give you three reasons why you can be bold. I'll give you three reasons why you can be bold in your prayer. And it's demonstrated here in this chapter because David in all accounts shouldn't have been in the position he was in he was already should have been disqualified for king but it was God's choice and even though God said son you can't build a temple he says you know what I'm going to be a spoiled brat and I'm reflecting on what God has done for me and I'm going to respond in this way so here's three things three reasons real quick why can you bold first one is that you have a because of. A because of. See, David said, my son, did you see that? In verse one, he said, my son is inexperienced. And the job in front of him is too great. 
So I need the work in front of him is too great. And the temple he's building is too great. And so David says, I know I can't build it, but because my son is inexperienced, because my son is going to need resources, I am going to be bold in my demonstration of my faith. What I'm trying to tell you is that get in touch with your because of. Get in touch with the because of. Who needs you? Who's dependent on you? Who's waiting for you to get through this? Who's the one who's going to be on the other side of you when this is all over with? When you think about my because of, and it might be somebody that you haven't even met. It might be your future kids. It might be your future job, your future spouse. It might be your future opportunity that you're saying, I can't do this because it's going to jeopardize this. When you have a because of, it gives you a boldness to say, God, I'm going to do this for you anyway. I'm going to pray about this anyway because of them. Because of them, I'm going to show up. I don't feel like showing up, but because of the lost person, I'm going to show up. Because someone needs grace, I'm going to volunteer. Because somebody needs to hear this message online, I'm going to give. I've got it because of. Sometimes you'll be surprised. We say, God, we've been surprised. When we say, God, we needed this, and God just showed up and said, you know what? Because you're asking for it, and you got it because of in mind, I'm going to honor your request. Here's the second one. In light of. You got to have in light of. That means in light of the fact of what happened. Here's what I love about this. Can you imagine David going in his treasury and going in his all where he's had all his treasures and everything that's been, he's won. Could you imagine him going through and saying, I remember when I got this coin. I remember when I jacked this dude up for this. I remember when we battled this army and we got these treasures. Because like all these are his personal treasures that he gave, right? He said he dipped into his personal bank account. And as he was, and this wasn't just cash, this was valuable items that he took. And so he went through and he was like, I remember, I remember when I jacked this iPhone from that dude. Now I don't know if he was jacking people, but you know what I mean. <laughs> And I can just imagine, and as David walks through his treasure chest, he begins to be reminded of the victories that God won. He's reminded of the times that God came through for him over and over again. And so when you have an in light of, it helps you be bold. Say, so you know what? I may not deserve this. I may not need this. But God, in light of the fact that you've done it before, in light of the fact of the victories we've won before, I believe that you want to do this. I'm asking for you to do this. I'm going to respond boldly because I remember what you brought me through. Here's the last one. I love this one. This is the in spite of. And David had a lot of in spite of because everybody knew David's situation. Everybody knew David's history. Everybody knew David's problem. And David says, you know what? I'm going to give out of the abundance of my heart. And I'm going to give everything I have to God. And people probably knew, well, David, we know why you're not building the kingdom. Or excuse me, the temple. We, we know your story. We know God told you no. <laughs> we know that, David. But David's like, you know what? In spite of the fact in spite of the fact 
that Solomon's mother was Delilah. Or excuse me, not Delilah. I'm sorry. Bathsheba. Despite the fact this is his second child with the woman he had the scandal with. That God chose to leave. He said, in spite of my past and my history, despite of God telling me I'm not going to build it, you know what? I'm going to be bold. And I'm going to do it anyway because God deserves it. You got you know you have an in spite of, right? You know you have a reason that God has given you that other people may judge you on, but God knows. So I'm going to close this today by telling you I want you to be a brand. I want you to be a brand. I want you to be bold about it. I want you to ask God for the big stuff. Stuff that you don't think you deserve. Stuff that you don't think you're worthy of. I'm talking about the real stuff that you want God to do for you. Now lay me down to sleep. I pray the Lord my soul be keep. Thank you for this food. Be a brand. God, if this marriage is not of you, let me know. If this job is going to kill me, let me know. If I'm suffering from addiction, let me know. I want freedom. Be a brat about it. I want to pray for you today. There might be somebody here who's saying, you know what? I don't know if I can go to God for this. I want to ask that every eye is bowed, every head, every head is bowed, every eye is closed, that you would give someone the opportunity to, to make a decision own mind without distraction. So maybe somebody today is just saying, God, you know, I, I didn't know that I could come boldly to you. I didn't know that I could pray about this. I didn't know that you would listen to me. But maybe you believe today that God is listening to you and that he hears you. And that Jesus is your high priest and Jesus gives you access to God. And I'm announcing to you today that Jesus wants to set you free and give you access, full access, to the power of God and give you privileges, give you access to power that you don't have. So I want to pray for someone today. Maybe that's you. You're saying, I just want to make a decision today. Just believe that you are with me and you're for me. So I want to lead you in prayer today.